Sliced Apples Podcast with Alex and David. The books, a lot of them all business related. Usually, most of the books that I read are business related books. Nice. Related books, for example, like um, the Harvard Business Review's Top 10 Must Reads on Strategies back here. Yeah. Um, this, there's a whole section here on uh, HBR, like emotional intelligence, leadership, stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, and then uh, I get stuff about like running. So you ever read a point to run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you read it? Yeah. Oh, beautiful, yeah. So uh, I like to run and stuff like that. Um, and I just read the book uh, Losing Billions. Or, no, sorry, Billion Dollar Loser. It's the story okay, of Aaron Newman and how he did it. Did we work? You read it? No, I, I meant like I'm the billion dollar loser. <laughs> Obviously. That's yeah, it's the story about Adam Newman though, and, he, and how he built up WeWork from, from zero to 60 and, um, and then how he ended up losing the business. It's just so crazy. Nice. Yeah, I'm nice. reading uh, Brick by Brick right now, the Lego book, which is a good one. That's, I'm into a lot of business, personal development books. We got a few sitting over here. I'm more on the sales side. So a lot of my stuff has been really sales heavy or some marketing, like some marketing heavy books. But I mean, if you shout it out, I've, I've read, you know, a number of books in the past few years. So, and they're all fiction business books. books. I don't read any marketing books simply for the fact that they, they, you know, by the time I finish them, they're already outdated. You know what I mean? Like this is a, that's fair. There's a lot to, to learn when it comes to marketing. So I'm always just doing like online courses and stuff to, to keep up to to pace with that one. But, uh, what do you what do you mean they're outdated? I'm curious because I find a lot of good principles in the marketing books that I think are prevalent. I mean strategies as far as newsletters or online SEO that that sort of stuff. I mean definitely outdated. But in, in regards to like general principles, I feel like there's still some some substance in them. It's true, yeah. So there's a lot of ones that, are, that have good general principles, I'm sure. But if you understand the general principles of marketing, I mean, what do you have to read a book for continually? You know what I mean? Like, it's usually strategies and what they're reading the books on, and those strategies change. Like, you know, if, some, if you read a book that talks about newsletters and billboards, it's clearly outdated. You know what I mean? Now, ChatGPT is kind of at the forefront of marketing. And I don't think there's any books out there yet, you know, about ChatGPT. Yeah. So yeah, this, I I just don't read stuff like that. I I really focus more on on business books and and stories. Like for you, let me just look at another one. See if you read this one. Um, traction. You ever heard of Traction? Or you 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 said you're a sales guy. So you ever heard of the Ten X Rule by Grant Cardone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good uh, one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So have you ever been to one of his conferences? I haven't. No. Phenomenal. Are they Are they really? Yeah, I went to the first one that they ever did in my in. Uh, it was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. They called it Miami, but it was Fort Lauderdale. And uh, <laughs> sat in the back, all the way in the back, and it was so crazy. So it's like a think about like a football field inside of a building with a a, a a stage, and he's all the way up at the front, and he's bringing people out to talk and stuff like that. And what they did is like they tear out the amount of seats, right? So the first like fifty rows. Or 20 rows of premier, then there's uh, 25, 30 rows of VIP, then there's like this other one, then there's this like uh, general admission plus, and then there's general admission all the way in the back. And you can sit anywhere as long as you're inside that range with your badge, right? And uh, I sat in general admissions, and I'll never forget, I was there, and like, I was so far back that even there was this lady who was standing, and I felt bad she was standing, so I let her sit. And I just stood up against the wall in the back. And he's like really short, Grant Cardone. Huh. He's like he's like me this height. Jeez. And uh way to slander my wife on the way. Oh, how are the well, it's not slander. It's short women, they're pretty. It's it's just it's, it's, <laughs> height is really only important when it comes to men, usually, at least so what I'm you know, people make fun of each other. You know, it's usually guys making fun of other guys for being short. Women don't make fun of it each other. It makes fun of me for being short. Yeah, women don't make fun of people for being short, you know? Um, so, the, you know, I sat all the way back there, and, uh, you know, my brother sat all the way up in VIP, 
And he ended up getting me up there for one day, and I got to watch Les Brown speak from like 30 rows away. Okay. Yeah, so really cool. Very cool. Yeah, no, 10X Rule's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's. Teller Be Told was the first sales book I ever read. Yeah, Teller Be Told is definitely a good one. Lots of negotiation books are really good, I think. I've read, I read a few of them. <laughs> you see the one with Chris Voss? Uh, no. A, oh, my God. Chris Voss is an FBI guy. I'll, I'll look it up to find out what the exact name is. That's not what everybody is telling you, is it? What do you mean? It's there's a I read a, a book a while back and it, David's sitting here and he's like, so not in this, but there's a book uh, on body language that I read. Uh, <clears throat> it was one of those Quantico guys. Those um, what do they call them? Not forensic, but it's it's uh, it's what they base criminal minds on. It's those guys, and he re- he wrote a book on body language. <laughs> it was very interesting to read how you can kind of read somebody's, and then that plays into negotiation and plays into a lot of different stuff. So, yeah, yeah. No, th- this book is called uh, "Never Split the Difference." Oh yeah, it's classic, definitely phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. David, this guy wrote this book on on negotiation, and he tells like actual stories of his time as an FBI negotiator. Yeah. And there was a guy who got kidnapped in Haiti and like he couldn't go there. So he trained the guy who was doing the negotiation with the other guy. They wanted like eight million for the guy. Through his tactics, they literally ended up giving the guy back for free. And what's crazy is that they had the direct line to the negotiator. Like three to five years later, the, the kidnapper called him and was like, Hey, did you get promoted yet? And he's like, No, why? He goes, well, because I wanted eight million and you got the guy for free, so clearly you're a really good negotiator. Like you should have been promoted by now, you know. <laughs> Damn, very clearly. Yeah, <clears throat> it's funny how that is. So yeah, yeah tell tell us, David met you. I haven't met you, so tell me what. Uh, give me your name. I mean, just give it. Give us the spiel. What's what's the deal here? Who are you? Sure. Yeah, my name's John Donato. I'm a digital marketer. Um, I own several companies in digital marketing, or I'm partnered in a lot of them. Um, so I got my start uh, back in 2015 in the dental marketing space. Uh, my brother owned a dental marketing agency. It was really early stage. We had like 20 clients. I, I came all the way down from New York, uh, all the way down to South Florida to help him with it. I kind of like forced him to give me the job in a way, <laughs> right? Uh, but when I came down, you know, they couldn't even cover my salary. So what we did was, is I ended up working for two different companies. I ended up working for his company part-time, doing all the customer service for the 20 clients, answering emails, hopping on calls, talking about their marketing, stuff like that. And then I worked for a company called Dr. G's Weight Loss, which allowed people to do franchisable uh, weight loss supplements. So basically, if you're a doctor and you want to offer this prescription weight loss and like this regimen, you know, you would pay the ability to use it as a franchise model, right? It's like a monthly thing. So they made me cold call OBGYNs for like the first three weeks. <laughs> and I was getting hung up on. It was like just, it was nuts. People just kept hanging up on me and I kept having to call. I kept having to call back like, hey, uh, you know, I think we got disconnected. And they're like, no, I hung up on you. And they'd click. <laughs> so after three weeks of that, I told the guy like, hey, I don't think this is working. I think we got to come up with a different strategy. And he goes, oh, I didn't think you would ever close anything there. He goes, I just wanted to see if you were going to quit or not. Um, that was like my first exposure to, you know, don't quit. Just keep pushing forward. And, that's uh, cold calling for you. That's, that's 100% cold calling. Yeah, but it was a good way to cut my teeth because I ended up using it in my own business. But, um, you know, we ended up building that business up to be to have over 500 clients across the U.S. And, uh, you know, we ended up being listed on Inc. 5000 in the top 400 fastest growing companies in 2018. We were, we were 328. And by the time that that happened, you know, I was one of the core four people who built the company. And. You know, I was in strategic plans and, you know, driving things forward. Like, I was one of the people there. But it was really, you know, I was a minority member in ownership. You know, my brother and his wife were really the majority members of, the, of ownership for the company. So I branched out into my own thing, and, and I started doing veterinary marketing. So I've been doing that for about four years, and, you know, we've been successful so far, knock on wood, and doing a great job. And uh, I moved to Tennessee about a year and a half ago, where I met David. Um, yeah, so it's pretty much me. 
Married, so you, baby on the way. You, you, four years ago, you decided to branch out because of obviously, you know, your skill set you had built with the first company. Um, and you knew you could translate that into a new business, but why, why veterinary marketing? Like, why decide on that? Where did you get that idea from? Sitting at a park one day, and you're like, you know what? We need to put two and two together here. This needs to happen. No, you, no, I, you saw that commercial, the in the eyes of an angel. Yeah, no, there you go. Sarah like, McLaughlin got gotcha. you. Veterinary marketing. I yes. wish it was that it was that exciting, but no. So we took that company, grew it, and you know we worked with a lot of people. Ninety-nine percent of our clients were dentists. There was a very small percentage that were other things like real estate, lawyers, things like that. Um, and you know, one of them was a veterinarian that we pretty much did you know, everything we could for almost on the arm, like almost free because one of his brothers was uh, a dentist and he had a really big practice and he had a big budget with us. So as a courtesy, we were doing the marketing for him. And I just saw how easy it was to generate lead flow and how easy it was to generate quality lead flow. And I started researching, you know, competitors, I cold called, I secret shop, like I was a vet just to kind of understand what their models were, what their pricing was. And I just saw like what they were giving vets was just, and for lack of a better word, asinine. It was, you know, yeah. low quality services. You know, they were like, for example, Google ads, you know, to this day, there's still companies that offer $99 Google ads management, like $99 a month. But what person is gonna sit there and actually optimize your ad campaign for you for $99 a month? You know what I mean? It's not going to happen because you're going to get at most one hour, maybe an hour and a half of their time a month. Um, and there's no way that they're going to be able to do a good job at that. So I saw that there was a need to be filled and, you know, we filled it. Our company's name was Apex Veterinary Marketing. I was lucky enough to acquire the domain veterinarymarketing.com after um, about two and a half years in business. And now we are veterinarymarketing.com. What exactly is veterinary marketing? Yeah, so for veterinary marketing, you know, what we do for clients is we build websites. We make sure that the websites uh, look really good, uh, both on mobile and desktop. We do high definition practice profile photo shoots for our clients with a specific curated photo shoot shot list that we want to have. We integrate those pictures throughout the websites to make it um, nicer and also let people understand more that you know what it's like to have your pet come to the practice and then we use paid media channels to drive traffic as well as work on organic to 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 get ranked right so if you go on google and you type in vet near me the first couple of ones are paid ads we do that then the next ones are going to be maps listings we do that and then the next ones are going to be organic listings we do that we also do Facebook and Instagram ads, Facebook and Instagram posting, pretty much everything you need to run your business in the dental in the, the digital space. That's what we do. Do you tweet for them too? No, we don't tweet for them. Um, we choose not to because it's not the same thing. It's you're not going to drive a lot of traffic from there, and then and also that's something that should be more done by people who are actually physically at the location on a daily basis. What were, I mean, you mentioned in early, earlier, we were talking about marketing books and clearly if you, I mean, you understand the concepts, the principles and, you know, having a successful marketing campaign because you built a company quite literally off of it. Um, what do you do to stay kind of ahead? You mentioned that they're outdated by the time the book is printed. So you mentioned a lot of webinars, different seminars, things like that. Like, what are some things that you do to kind of stay ahead is my question. Yeah, so I'm a part of a few marketing agencies. And what we do at all the marketing agencies uh, is about culture. And it sounds crazy that culture can have anything to do with, you know, being ahead of the curve on marketing. But if you're teaching your team to always be evolving and to always be innovating, and that's a part of your culture, then they will bring ideas to you, which is really important. They'll bring some of the best things forward. And how, how we encourage that and how we encourage them to stay out of the curve uh, are platforms like Udemy, platforms like 
ChatGPT, um, platforms like CXL, right? So I don't know if you've ever heard of CXL, but it's like a universe. Yeah. Right. So all of these platforms are things that push us ahead, but we encourage our team by bonusing them and just fostering that culture of always evolving. And then we open those lines of communication with each other, right? Like, so, you know, we have meetings once every week or once every two weeks, depending. And that's the time for everybody to bring it to the table. And then we try, right? We'll split test, you know, see if this works. If it does work, great. If it doesn't work, all right, we're gonna throw it away and move forward. You know, of course, we're gonna wanna analyze why it didn't work um, so we can learn, but it's just process of trial and error. Looking at old books, you know, that are outdated and you know, that was printed in 2009 and hasn't had a revision since then, um, you know, it's good to understand it, but if you want to be on the cutting edge, you got to look forward, not back, in my opinion. Absolutely. You mentioned ChatGPT a couple of times now. When did you hop into that game? Because I know that's growing incredibly fast. I'm in the real estate business, and I just had one of my partners host a class that was teaching people how to utilize it to benefit their life, their process, make things go smoother. What, when did you hop into that game? Yeah, so I hopped in the game about a year ago. Um, you know, ChatGPT, I don't know this, it became, it became a buzzword recently, but it's been around for years, right? They've just been doing iterations on it. I think they're at number four now. Yeah. Right? Um, but, you know, for a marketing agency, you've got to use it in everything you can do, right? So, like, if you want to do social media posting, you can say, you can literally give them the URL to your website and say, give me 10 social media posts for this month. Make sure to target it towards X, Y, and Z people, and they'll do that. It's like it's just phenomenal, you know what I mean? And you can go ahead and then adjust and make it better for yourself to be more personalized. But um, integrating that into your system is, is going to be really important. How many, I mean, you, you've got to save hundreds of hours, and if that's what you're utilizing on social media, what else are you, are you, you do newsletters? Like, do you do that kind of stuff? Or, like, social where does it media, stop? Social media, blog writing, coding. So I don't know if you know, but you can actually use ChatGPT to code for you. So like if you want to do like a pop-up on your website and you don't know how to code it, you can have them code it for you. You just have to understand the prompt that you're giving it. You can also use it for legal stuff, right? Like if you want to um, do like a letter of intent to buy a business or a letter of intent to do anything, you know, for, for real estate, I'm sure you can get it to write up a contract for you uh, in, in no time flat. I mean, this so many things you can use it for to cut down your time. Is that, that's got to be a massive piece of what you do then. How much, I mean, how much do you utilize it in comparison to other tools? Because mentioning just, I'm, I'm curious on this marketing because we talked earlier about the marketing books and I believe in them, you know, clearly a lot more than you, but that's because you're looking forward in your business and it's an online marketing platform. And so what is that, separation for you on chat gbt is it 70 percent of the stuff you work on you run through chat gbt or what does that look like i would say right now me personally 40 percent, but my team i would Jeez. say i would say like 60 70 percent on my team side um but you know that's individuals like you know some people would use it maybe 20 percent. it really just depends you know uh, but the idea is is that we have a team understand it know how to use it um you know we like i said we bonus people on learning to help foster that culture of learning so you know i think this upcoming quarter we'll, we'll add some things in for like chat gpt courses how yeah. to use it really well um but yeah it's 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 a big thing if you've never owned a marketing agency before that's that's kind of why you know maybe loving the books is a is an important thing for you or like really you're excited about those books it's just on my side, like, you know, if I've got to solve a problem in the marketing side, like my client's not successful, uh, I, I can't sit and read a book for, for a week to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, I've got to go and find the answer and, and, and fix and change it and get it done quickly and efficiently. Um, so it's kind of like gave him, giving me the training not to look at a book, to more look at Yeah, proactive rather than reactive, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I, I got to ask then, you're, you're big on the AI, you love AI. You're not worried about AI? 
Oh, here he goes. Yeah. I gotta know. I gotta. I gotta know. I mean, he's he's talking about ChatGPT. I mean, I'm gonna tail off a little bit. I'm just curious. You're not worried at all about AI? No, I think people who are worried about AI are people who are people who are afraid of change, right? Oh. Like if, if you're if you don't want to change, if you don't want to grow and learn, then you hate ChatGPT and AI and stuff like that because. You know, you're afraid of what it's going to be. You're afraid of what it's going to do. Like, oh, what if you're afraid? Problem. What huh? if you're afraid of owning an Amazon Echo? <laughs> I don't see why. I mean, um, why, why would you be afraid to own an Echo, Alex? I'm not afraid to own an Echo. <laughs> I'm not. I have an iPhone for fuck's sake. Like, I'm, I'm used to, like, something listening to me. But my name is Alex, so... Whenever somebody calls, it, this used to happen all the time in college when people had it. They'd say oh. Alex, and then the echo would turn on, and it drove me nuts. That's like that's one of the reasons. But also for me, I understand the convenience factor of like say, hey, because I asked David, I'm like, what do you use it for? Like, what is the big selling point to me? Because if you're saying add this to my grocery list or order this from Amazon, like that, I my thumbs can do that. Sure, it's faster for you to say it, but that time loss right there is not substantial to me. Like that doesn't compound as much as something like Googling rather than reading a book, right? Like that compounds a lot quicker than, okay, let me add this to the grocery list rather than typing it in and adding it to the grocery list. It's the same as like looking for parking in a parking lot and like rather than just pulling into the right thing. It's I, I pull into the right spot. I just pull right into whatever spot is there. I'm not worried about the extra 20 steps. I know David is one of those people that will drive around a parking lot for three minutes until he finds the perfect spot. Hate people like that. Can't do that. You got to yeah, just pull in, is, get out, walk. That is not me. That is uh, my wife. Yeah. Well, that you ride a car around. with your wife. <laughs> that makes me drive around. For who, drives, who, who, who drives the car for you, John? Is it you or your wife? Who drives? My wife. Uh, no, my wife doesn't drive anything. I drive. You drive everywhere? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Damn yeah. right. David, who drives? Huh? me oh oh full of it now full well, of it wait a second are you married i'm not i'm the single guy on the podcast shut up because you don't know okay uh, sure, i don't i don't us, us married guys we drive around for a better parking space for our wife that's just how it is okay <laughs> i like the i like the I like the new york coming out of you too that wasn't the new york that was showing the wedding ring it's like if you don't go no, but like the way you talk your accent you talking <laughs> I'm, walking talking. I'm walking here you know what i'm saying you talking yeah. to me like that about my that, wife i was the guy that cursed at the seven-year-old that's what it was i'm sorry you were yeah. that was probably you when i was, was there me a long time ago no how old are you i'm 27 same age as me no i was like six so. <laughs> are you calling me old hey no. you call me old I'm 34, so I was like, set, I was like, I was seven. Oh, oh, oh! That was crazy than me. Oh, okay, yeah. my bad. But yeah, and the story is he's scared. He's scared of. I'm not scared. He, he said, "I'm freaked out. I think they're listening to me." No, that's literally what you said, bud. I I have a microphone that's attached to my computer in my in my room, bro. I'm not worried about somebody. Do you ever feel like it's listening to you all the time? All the time. Yeah. I get a little light on here, and if it beeps, it means it's mute. I know it's not muted. I know it's still listening to me. But I also know that I'm not important enough, and I don't say enough crazy shit for the FBI to come busting through my door. I also know that. So that that it's a balance, right? It's a balance. Fair enough. See, John didn't expect this when he came on here. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know we were going to talk about that. That's weird, but it's okay. It's all right. It's a. It's all right. Anyhow. It's weird. <laughs> Artificial so, intelligence and whatnot. So, Alex, you read a lot of business books and a lot of marketing books. Why, if you're in real estate? What do you mean, why? Just curious. Like, where do you feel like that would add value to you being in real estate? First off, what do you do in real estate? Uh, so, I sell insurance. Okay. So, you're that guy who fucking calls when you buy a house. Like, there's like six of you who call every day to be like, hey, would you want insurance? Your insurance is going to end. No, see, I'm the guy that calls, and then you don't have to call anybody else because I get the job done. That's me. Oh, that's fair. I like that. Mic drop. That's a good one. That's that's just me. Yeah, no, I'm usually the guy that somebody calls, and they're like, oh, my God. I'm like, what is it, another insurance guy? And they're like, yeah, that's you. I'm like, yeah, no, it's me, but on the last phone call you're going to have, so let's do this. 
and then usually they're 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 game at that point. I'm pretty real with most of my clients, so they they get it. But no, I read I read business books, I read marketing books, I read sales books, personal development books. Like I read a lot of nonfiction, just because like I think it's interesting to hear other people's paths. Like with podcasts, it's different now. But I I was never a reader when I was growing up, and so I feel like a sense of uh, accomplishment when I read. So it's less in the beginning. It was for a lot of growth potential. I learned a lot of just like how these people operate. What's the correct structure to a business? Like, how do you kind of piece it all together? But now it's more of a sense of accomplishment and more interest based. So like I'm reading another book sitting over there is a book on Jay-Z that just is like interesting to me. Like, how did he start? How did he get from where he was to where he is now? Like, that's more interest based. But I could certainly like the counter argument is like, you could just go listen to a podcast with him on it and he could talk about it. But for me, it's like, I don't get it that I, I like to read, like weirdly enough, because I hated it when I was a kid. Now I do it. But yeah, I feel like it's it's put a lot of fundamental building blocks. And it also there's a there's a lot of conversations I understand now because of the things I've read um, just in those books that I feel like I retain better from reading rather than listening to a podcast, if that makes any sense. So. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So I, I used to tell my dad we would go to a place and I would say to him, um, you know, dad, uh, he would say to me, let's go into this bookstore and I would walk to the bookstore and I would go to the entrance and I would stop and be like, what's the matter? My skin itches. I'll wait for you out here. You know? <laughs> and now I read about 40 to 50 books a year. So um, it's totally different. So I understand the value of like you used to read, or you used to not like to read and now you like to read. It's pretty cool. I was just curious because usually people who read those kinds of books, they want to go into business for themselves or they want to, they have some type of dream, um, you know, or just like you, they, they just enjoy it. Oh, uh, dude, we don't have enough time to talk about that kind of stuff, man. David, David knows I could get on a rant that would last a couple of hours about all that. So I, I won't even go down that path. My wife's out of town. I got time. <laughs> <laughs> Another conversation. Maybe at a dog park. I can bring my husky and she can meet your Aussie. How about that? In Texas? Uh, no, I'll come up to I'll come up to Tennessee. That's it's a plan. It's a goal of mine to come visit David eventually. But you do. It does sound like you do want to start a business. Uh, yeah, I would I would think so. I think uh, I think it's it's a matter of, you know, fi filling a need. Right. Like when David and I originally started this, it was a goal of mine to build this into a business. And there was multiple legs of it. And ultimately, it reached a point that I think we had a conversation that we enjoyed doing it rather than working for it. And so we kind of pivoted to where this is more of just a hobby of ours, in a sense, where we have a decent following. We have I mean, there's still scenarios where I'll go out and people will talk to me. I can't believe that you said this on that episode or whatever. Like it's still it's that cool kind of scenario. But this was originally something that I wanted to start. There were some designs I'd come up with an app that was prior to COVID in regards to um, I worked in the sports memorabilia business and there was uh, they host conferences and there would be people that would collect. And I'm going to give out my idea here. So somebody please take this and run with it because it needs to be done um, and give me credit for it at least a little bit. <laughs> and there would be these uh, massive uh, conventions, we'll call them actually is conventions. And there would be people with booths that would sign up. Well, the thing with trading cards, especially baseball cards, is they're highly valuable just depending on the quality you have, the age, all these different things. But there's no catalog to search where you could find these things. So we had started building this idea of like, well, what if we could reach out and start, you know, these different conventions and see if we can build catalogs and have people. It was a whole idea. Um, and there's been other ones along the road, but like you're, you found, you found a need that you filled. And I think that's the most important thing is you don't want to put effort into something. You'll obviously learn along the way, but if you don't ultimately, if you're trying to create a need, then it's, it's kind of a waste of time in a sense, in my opinion, you can, you, I mean, you're the one that is the expert and I'll, I'll, I'll listen to you on this, but that's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you definitely want to be able to, to fill a need and you definitely want to be able to do something that you enjoy doing. So it's not a lot of work. What I would tell you is that come up with one good idea and then push forward for like two years on it and only really focus on that and put a shit ton of energy into it and see what happens. Man. I think that that's like the best way to go. There was so many businesses that I was like 
building before this one. Like I built a Shopify for yoga pants. It was a drop shipping company where it was just like I would drop ship from China for someone who ordered yoga pants. And then I created another store for, it was a Pitbull accessory store. So everything Pitbull related, right? I thought I was being controversial because Pitbulls are, you know, in some places people are concerned about it. Um, and I had all these ideas and all these opportunities that when I was like, you know, let me work on this other one because this one's not working. That's where I failed. Like I probably could have had a million dollar yoga pants company if I would have just focused on that. You know, I could have had a million dollar pitbull thing. So you know, yeah, this could this app could probably still be a million dollar app. You know, sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it could. It's it's a matter. I mean, currently in my business, one of the things that I do is uh, we do marketing for realtors, and it's it's not to the scale of what you do because the energy and the effort put behind it requires a lot more than I'm willing to put in, especially because it's it's an additional to what I do on. I mean, I, there's just there's there's a lot going on, and like you're saying, putting a hundred percent effort, you got to live, you got to live, breathe, sweat it, bleed it, the whole bit, and that's at some point. It, it, it could reach that, but we've been working on this for about a year. We do marketing for realtors that is uh, online. So we create videos for them. And essentially, mm -hmm. we just do the videography side of it. Mm -hmm. And it's similar to what we do here, which is a podcast, except we curate the questions prior and we'll discuss with the realtor whatever target audience they have and create short clips, short snippets for them to use on their social media platforms to post. We and so that's, that's, you know, and there's a long term play involved in that. I mean, business building is something I, I enjoy. I think it's like a puzzle to me. Putting it all together is is very it's it's a fun activity. Um, but you're right. I mean, there's there is a lot of things that you can say, and then you have to put consistent, disciplined effort behind it for a long period of time in order for it to actualize in front of you. Um, you know, my dad for for the entirety of his adult life has built businesses. It's all he's ever done. So it's it's in. I mean, I've been around it my entire life, and I and I enjoy witnessing it. Um, but there is so, there is a lot to learn. I mean, especially a question, and don't take it in, in an offensive way. Have you built a business before? Like as like no. a no? I built you my insurance business. Yeah, so you have built an insurance business. Yeah, I mean, I have a rep a catalog of clients that is pretty long. <laughs> it's yeah. You know, so work, a book of business work. is different from business, though. So. Right. No, you're right. No, it's not a ground up business. You're absolutely right. No, I've been, I, 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 I hear what you're saying and you sound like you know what to do on to build a business. So I'm just wondering, sure. I'm wondering what's going on because I feel like you're an entrepreneur in kind of like waiting. You know what I mean? Like you're, you, you're an entrepreneur in my opinion. You read all the books, that. you want to learn all these things. That's what an entrepreneur does the only effect is like the the missing of action sure no i mean i i absolutely agree with you it's it's like you say it's it's a it's a consistent disciplined action that i lack you know it's 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 dedicating yourself to one idea and then you know consistently putting effort behind that and i lack in that area absolutely um as far as the you know you know gaining knowledge or or attempting to grow personally or professionally I don't lack in that area, but like we're talking about your business, you know, putting two, three, four, five, 10, 20 years behind something and just, you know, bleeding it, living it. That's all you do. Uh, I lack in that area. And that's that's the big separator between what you do and what I do is it takes it takes a special kind of person to do that. And, you know, I chase that dream a lot of days and it's uh it's not easy, you know, that's, but that's the thing, right? That's what separates everybody is the people that do it when it's not fun and it's not easy. And the people that do it when it's easy, when it's fun. So I, I don't take any offense to that. I think, you know, you have to be real with yourself. You have to, you have to sit back and, and realize where your strengths are and where your, where your weaknesses are and what you need to do to accomplish the goal. So yeah, absolutely. Do you lack that work ethic because you haven't found that one thing that you want to push forward on? Like that one thing where you're like, man, I'm passionate about this. Like I would, I could, I could live, sleep, and eat this all day. Have you not? Uh, that? This is a fun podcast. He's just asking. David's never asked me these questions. Yeah, so. he, the, I asked the interviewee. Ask David, your, 
as at that interview. Yeah, the interviewees like, damn, this we're talking we about. Were AI we're this around. Was, we were at Wing Wednesday, and I was busting his chops too. I was asking him questions. Oh yeah, bro. Uh, yeah, I got, no, I, I got I grilled. It. I got grilled like this. What was it two weeks ago? The only difference is this is on recording. <laughs> oh no, I'm perfectly comfortable. What was the question again? It was uh, oh, finding the one thing. Um, well, not the one thing, just like founding something that you're passionate about that you can say, okay, let me just start looking at opportunities here. You know, because if you could solve a problem for someone, I think that that that's big. But what problem do you want to solve? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think what I do in the real estate space, as far as marketing is, uh, is solving quite a bit of problems. It just toes a line of as that business grows, my uh my phone log grows like i have consistently more people calling me every day and so it's a matter of you know maintaining that discipline through the growth right it's like in the beginning it was a lot easier because you were just pumping out i was just pumping out these videos following up following up pumping out these videos and then as they started to send me the business which was the original idea is i would go to mortgage lenders i proposed this idea to them i had built the infrastructure with the video editor and we're working on building this, putting in the social media manager. That will be the big separator is adding that team part because that kind of, I, I did all the editing in the beginning and then I had to hire the video editor because I was doing at least 12 to 16 hours of video editing a week on top of what I was doing in insurance and this and many other things. But um, that was something I didn't predict. I didn't, I didn't predict the growth of the insurance business along with the growth of that platform. And so trying to keep up with that growth is the big separator between who's successful and who isn't is how, how consistent can you be? Can you keep going as you grow? Um, but I would say I'm, I'm pretty passionate about what I do there. I think it helps a lot of people. I've seen um, a lot of businesses grow because of that. I've seen uh, people close deals because of that. And so that's, that's what's important to me um, is helping those people in that space. And Ultimately, it's kind of a cheat code because I get to sit down at least uh, once a week or once every two weeks with a real estate professional and just quite literally pick their brain on, you know, cheat codes on how to buy a house, you know, how do you finance, how you do this, how you do that. So for me, as somebody who wants to build that portfolio in real estate, I think that's it's kind of serves a, like a lot of uh, a lot of needs for me, a lot of a lot of different things, which I which I appreciate. So. But it's a matter of being consistent. You know, we're uh, less than a year now. We're just coming up on a year. Uh, we've interviewed, I believe, 62 people. And it's, you know, just being consistent. And then the the online aspect of it is so difficult, is understanding the algorithms and how you grow and managing it. And, you know, that responsibility is uh, is a big one. So there's, there's just a lot of learning, but I enjoy it. Oh, I so here's... Just ex explain this a little bit to me. So you work in an insurance agency where you built up yep. a business. Separate from that or under the same umbrella is where you're doing these videos? Like you're doing it separately? Separate. Right. So you say you have a, a partner in that? Uh, I have a couple partners. So they're mortgage partners. So I approached them as an insurance agent and I told them I will build. So in real estate for a mortgage lender they need realtors in order to send them business the realtor meets the person they buy the house the realtor will introduce them to the lender you you should yep. you know this my goal is i'm going to put you in front of realtors and this is how we're going to do it and then i find another once that person's business is built which i've built one and then i've got two others i'm building right now then i'll find another and then i'll find another and then i'll find another and just keep feeding and ultimately, by building these people's businesses, they send me more insurance business, but also it, you know, provides content for them and for like our target audience is people who are in the range of like 24, it's like 32, 34, and they don't want to buy a house or they know they should buy a house. But they I had a perfect example when I took my car in for work, the guy that sold me the car was there. And he was talking to me about buying a house. He's like, yeah, I called a realtor today. She's already called me seven times and sent me four emails. Like people are terrified of that. And so we created the bridge where it's like the knowledge you need to know essentially in like starting the process and then identifying the bad realtors, because at least in Houston, there's 60,000 realtors. And so not all of them are good, right? Like a lot of them are just chasing checks. And so how does the person who's never bought a house determine or tell 
if that realtor has their best interest at heart or if they're just chasing a check. That's kind of where our platform comes in. It's like just giving you a base knowledge of that. That's the need that we fill for those people. So yeah, I could talk for hours on this, man. I pitch this to people every week. Yeah, I so I guess I, I, I maybe I'm a little confused. So the platform that you have, you have business partners who are mortgage people, right? Right. Those mortgage people work with you. So you work with realtors. You do videos for realtors so that the Correct. realtors can use on their social media. Correct. And then those realtors are building their business. And then they're also funneling the business to you for insurance. Correct. And then you're also having the realtors funnel the business to the mortgage people. Right. Well, it, it, originally they were funneling the business to me, but then I changed it to where they were funneling it to the lenders so that my points of contact were not the realtors. My only pro, my only uh, responsibility was to provide the content for them. And then the realtors would send the business to the lender and the lender would send it to me. So let's say there's 20 realtors to one lender. So rather than me reaching out to 20 realtors, I just have to keep in contact with that one lender. That one lender's responsibility is to prospect new realtors and then create, you know, collect the business from the 20 that we've already interviewed. And so my point of contact is the lender. My responsibility is to create the contact and then, or create the content and then the realtors. So it kind of creates. So less the mortgage better. lender sells the, the, the videography for you? Huh? The mortgage lender sells the videography to the realtor? Yeah. So I have a pitch for them that they sell. That they sell. Yeah. You only do wow, that's a good business model. That's a pretty good I mean, I, it's not like I don't know what I'm doing. It's just like you're saying, consistent effort. That's all it is. Yeah, but, yeah, but how long have you been doing it? Uh ten months, eleven months. Shut the fuck. Ten months, okay. Okay. How much do you charge for these for these video contents? I I don't charge anything. What? It's a part of the long-term business plan. <laughs> that's why that's, that's okay. So you don't charge anything. So this is, this is where it gets like, I don't really want to talk about the long-term steps. We could talk about it after, but there is a reason that's part of the pitches. It's, it's completely free to me, to them. 100%. We have a hundred percent hit ratio. You pick up the phone. Realtor's going to come in. Nobody said no, not a single person. You give it to them for free. And then you make money on the, you make money on the insurance. On the deals. You went in the insurance and the insurance is under a company that you work for. Correct. Is he like, is this, is it's, I could explain the long-term plan to you and it's, I, I've gone over it several times and it's, I've got I mean, the, the long-term plan, plan I think would probably be cutting out the insurance broker and being your own insurance in some way, shape or form. Or, or, I, yeah. It could be. The long-term plan, I would think, or it also would be could be working with the mortgage lenders yeah could be i guess the two fans will never know it'll be i mean if they ask me in person i'll give them a long-term plan but i'm not gonna put it on record because that's that'll uh it'll find me somehow and i don't want it to find me <laughs> oh that means it'll find somehow no 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 no. i just mean that like if somebody were to listen that's it's not, it's, it's the, the plan, the play isn't uh, privy to many people. It's only to a few partners and the important ones and the important ones know that, you know, do you feel like somebody would try to steal it? No, absolutely not. I don't think anybody could do what I do. You think that you would get in trouble if like your current job no. found out what it would be? No, absolutely not. My boss mm. knows exactly what I'm doing. Mm. I shouldn't even say boss. He's my agency owner. So I don't, I don't work for him. I work for my clients. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a good concept. There's some kinks in it. I've I mean I'd be interested to run it by you after and curiosity, I gotta know what's the secrecy. The secrecy? Yeah, I gotta know. Like why is it like what's what's the secret part about? It? Is it like a secret sauce that like Chick-fil-A secret sauce, you don't want to share it? Is it like, uh, like Coca-Cola's recipe under lock and key? No, I think there's no, I, I'd be comfortable saying it because it's it would take. So one of the things that I read in the books is very interesting. And this is where you pick up enough where you, you learn about businesses is in any business. You should make yourself an integral part of that business to where if you were to leave, it would not operate the same. 
And whether that be, you know, a certain role that you're in that you can't teach to somebody else because it takes a creative way or whatever it is. In my sense, I created a formula for how to make these videos, like how to get the most. And then also on top of that, the way that it was funny because we started this podcast and the way that I asked these questions in my because uh, I'm the one that does all the interviews. So the one I sit down and talk to these people and I just have a way this I texted David this and he knows this like there was a gift that we were given that we didn't even realize doing this podcast of how to like get information out of somebody like how to ask somebody a question and get what we want out of them like what we want them to say almost it's not like I'm pre- I know what they're gonna say but I know how to get the substance out of somebody rather than mm-hmm. this, like you know blabble about something or go in a different direction tangents it's like there's some there's some gift that David and I both have after doing so many episodes of like how to ask a question the right way. But really, mm-hmm. the secret sauce is that combined with the fact that and I taught my videographer a majority of it on how to <laughs> my editor, actually, on how to create the videos, like what the formula is for that, like what the most like the best way to create the video and the quickest, most efficient way to do it. And that is something that I could teach to somebody and that's the goal but you like asking these questions and like the answers you get out of them like i can sit in my in my head in the in the interview and count the amount of clips in my head from each question i'm going to get because i just know based on their answers so i wouldn't say it's secret sauce like anybody could do it but the fact that we've done 500 podcast episodes and then i've done 60 plus of these interviews it's like, I just kind of know what I'm looking for. Like I know, and I know how to get it. And so I wouldn't say there's a secret sauce to it. It's just a matter of like, just experience combined with like, just trying it a bunch. Cause I mean, the first like 15 were shitty. Like we, we had no idea what we were doing. Like I I knew how to ask the questions, but we didn't know what we were looking for. And now it's like a machine. It's like, we, we can get people in and out, create 15 clips for them in 30 minutes, 30 minutes of an interview, you get 15 clips like for free. Like where are you where else are you gonna find that? There's no marketing agency that does what I do for free. It's unbelievable. Who does that? Why charge free, Alex? It doesn't make any sense. What do you want from me? I don't want anything from you. Just come in, do an interview. If you're good, then I'll create some clips for you. If you're not, then I don't know. That'll be it. I'll send you a few. But yeah, it's hundred percent free. I don't charge anything. Fair enough, man. The you know, five finger discount. That's right. Everything that you said was really cool and really exciting and i do want to talk to you further if there's only one piece of advice that i can give you i love it is that the one thing that you said i fundamentally 100 percent disagree with you on the integral thing 100 percent yeah why that makes you a phenomenal employee no exactly it puts you in that quadrant definitely and if you're going to go down this path of starting this business which in my opinion you did 63 of these already you have a business model that it you know looks like it can be really substantial for you once you get people paying for the service and then yeah it makes it's a real business right um but what what i mean is is that when you have a business model and you're trying to run a business if you just make it to where only you can do the job, then your company will never scale past you. Yeah, then, then you'll be stuck. Trading hours for money. But if you can train yourself to be able to work yourself out of that position. All right, Kiyosaki, calm down. No, I'm serious. Have people, <laughs> under you, have people under you, you're good to go. Then you're trading skill for money. And that's a totally different thing. Absolutely. Different thing. No, I and I do I do agree with you that you know the the two things that I mentioned the asking of the questions one of the partners is trained on and the uh, the formula has been taught to the editor so in theory it I I could step away and it still could run in theory um, as far as the growth of it I think. Like the partners have an idea of the grasp of like where we're going and like what our goal is ultimately. Um, but I think that vision is I can I, I think I'm the only one that can execute that vision because I think like I, I find the partners, the partners I'm with not not in a bad way, but just kind of like this is the mat. This is the ceiling. And then I go, no, like, 
like you know 10 feet higher is the ceiling so but anyway this is this is nice dude i've, I've never been interviewed about I, this that's fun i taught <laughs> alex so well bro i taught alex so well man you taught no, me. i still, I still want to know more but i won't push on the recording i won't keep pushing but sure. yeah i still want to know more about about what you're trying to do um but, but, you're, being, you're being tight-lipped about it but i get it I feel like. Do you want me to ask you a question we, now, or David? You, how about you say something, David? It's been thirty minutes since you said something. <laughs> no, I, mean, I talk great, to David every day, so great back and forth. You know, I, I was enjoying it. Um, no, because we started, you know, interrogating Declare over here for like twenty minutes. Let's get back to that's, that's just a little bit more about you, right John. There. No, you know, when I, when someone starts talking about business, it really intrigues me. And so I ask a lot of questions. So if it felt, if it felt like an interrogation, I apologize. It wasn't my intent. Look, I'm not it. a businessman. It wasn't I'm a regular business, business you wanna... man. When David gets David, who said that quote? Drake. You're, you're going in and out of, I didn't even hear what you said. Me? Yeah, you're like you're like cutting in and out. I guess my internet because both the well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, now nah, he's really gone. Yeah, his internet's cutting out. It's probably all that that Wi-Fi. I just was. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know why I was uncomfortable, but I didn't quote Drake. So wake up, the members. Okay, is that better? My bad. Anywho. Sort of. Um, as I was saying, I don't. You can ask me questions. I'm sorry. I won't ask anymore. <laughs> <laughs> How's business? Good. <laughs> Doing really well. I mean, the I knew company, he wasn't going to do it. The company's been well. doubling every year since we started it. It's been great. Now my We're back is I actually have a question about how's business. Is back to sure. Normal? Somewhat. Yeah, we, nah. can see you. we can we can see you. It's it's moving. Oh. Oh. He said Better. adios amigos. Maybe try turning your camera off and that might like uh Dang. he said no, you ugly oh no, sometimes when we're on zoom and stuff and work, like if you turn the camera off it's it's easier to communicate. Yeah, that's why I would tell everybody if I didn't want to be in a meeting and be like, hey, I'm, I'm turning my camera off. It, 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 it works better to communicate. Good to know. Am I back? You got a question? Ask your God. question, dude. It's not back. Anyway, no, my question is, is you take a lot. It looks like you take you mentioned Zappos on your on your website. So it looks like you you take a lot of inspiration from Zappos, correct? Yeah, so our vision statement is to be the Zappos of veterinary marketing. Um, I, I'm customer focused, right? That's like my number one thing. Uh, and Zappos just had a great customer service department. I mean, phenomenal, the stories behind that. Oh, I yeah. literally bonus all my employees to read that book in their first 90 days working here. Yeah, it's a great book. Who has the craziest desk? Are you asking me who has the craziest desk? Yeah. What's like the craziest stuff on people's desks? Because that was the thing at Zappos. They all had like crazy desks and crazy. Well, like everybody the works remote. Everybody oh. works. Yeah. But my, my desk is my old uh, dining room table where I used to work. When I started. But you know the thing? The Zappos, they used to have like crazy designs and the cubicles and stuff like that. Like every, it used to be nuts in their office. Yeah, that's the one thing. It's hard to to be able to mimic that here and in a mobile, in like a in a work from home business. It's kind of hard to mimic that. For me, it's more along the lines of the desire to put the customer first and help them. Like that's where I want people to mimic. It was like one of the stories in there was somebody had an unhappy customer on the phone, and the record was they stayed on the phone with them for seventeen hours until they were happy. Seventeen hours. I'm like, that's what I want to instill in my team. It's like, you want to help these people as much as you can. That's got to be cap, right? <laughs> no. It's not I cap. Can, it's like, I, I can't, 
who can stay on the phone with 17 hours with just with anybody just like well they did it <laughs> person was unhappy and they did it uh, i don't believe it but continue read the book you gotta read well i mean oh good luck on that why Ooh. david's yeah. not a reader audio audio i read no, I, re- I read i read twitter and and um fan think, think about it as tony shady's twitter page there you go yeah, exactly R.I.P. Oh, what if, dude? Oh my God! He here's a billion dollar Twitter account idea, bro. Just get a big time book, you know, and then just have a Twitter account where you're just tweeting like a couple sentences from the book every day. Okay. People read it every day, and they're like, "Oh, I'm reading a book." <laughs> <laughs> Hey, bro! <laughs> that could work. So, what's right your? Up. Everybody works from home. What's your opinion on working from home? Do you think it's you think it's beneficial? Like, obviously, you started before COVID. Did you ever have in office, or what was that like? No, before COVID, we were all in office. Um, not in my company, uh, but in my the dental company. Everybody was in office. We had like twenty employees. It was good. You know, there's a huge difference between in office and working from home. Um, you know, as a leader, you want to have people do their job, but you also don't want to be micromanaging them. So, you know, that's one of the things that was hard for me is, you know, giving people the time and space to get their job done over a period of time. Uh, but in terms of working from home, I, I love it. I mean, when my wife's here, you know, we get to hang out on my break. We get to have lunch together. We get to have breakfast together. Um, you know, all those things you can't really do from, from an office space. You know, if my dog wants to go out back, I can go out back. It's, it's great wait until the, the kid comes, man. Yeah, I know. I know. That's one of the things we might, I might actually start working from an office just because of that. Cause I can't have a kid screaming in the background when I'm talking to clients or, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Cause my, my boss has like three, he has a wife, three daughters this man, they, they t- people had told me stories about COVID when everything shut down, everybody was working from home. He would still come to the office because he was like, yeah, no, I can't work from home. <laughs> yeah, some people can, some people can't. I mean, I think because of COVID, I had no other choice but to get good at working from home, right? Because like the company was growing through COVID um, and I just had to be efficient, but you know, if that didn't, if that wasn't the case, it probably would be really hard for me to work from home. Because sometimes, I mean, I'm not talking about just being efficient. It's just talking about, you know, sometimes you just got to get out the house, bro. And you're like, you don't want to. Yeah, well, that's what I go to the gym for. We go grocery shopping every like two, three days. No, it's like we we go to the dog park where we meet weird people. <laughs> hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You're talking about the actual weird people, right? Not me. Sure. Sure, David. Okay. <laughs> so what's the uh, what's the ideal client for you? Um, the ideal client for me in the current business that I'm in, um, small animal practice, uh, and anywhere between nine hundred and you know one point five million in revenue that wants to grow. Okay. And what's the value proposition so the two fans can hunt for you? The value proposition is we are going to redo their website. We're going to drive new clients to their business and we're going to generate more revenue for them. The goal would be for every ad dollar that they spend, we get them a, a 10x return on investment. Very nice. It was a pleasure talking to you, David. I don't have any questions for him, man. I feel like I. I'm like reeling from the uh the questions he asked me so i'm like um i didn't mean to get you upset no 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 no, no. you didn't at all i'm just saying like i'm i reeling think sounds bad no reeling <laughs> is not bad reeling is i'm sitting here like thinking about your business i'm like well i mean a lot of the questions you asked me i'd pretty much just ask you about your business <laughs> so that's <laughs> how it would go yeah. but I appreciate your time, man. I mean, David, unless you got something else, I know you were pretty quiet this entire time. I was going to ask something. Sure. 
But then you went on that soliloquy and I forgot. So let is, see if it'll come to me. It's a personal problem, man. I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it sounds like a PP. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really, yeah it, it, it left me. So really weird way to put it. It sounds like a PP. All right, John. Where can people find you? Where how can they get in contact with you? Just simply go to Oh, the- I remember my question now. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you work with vets in the Tennessee area or like all around? Cause you know, if you got any good recommendations for me, I'm all ears. Yeah. So I don't work with any vets in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but I work oh. with vets, Florida, Georgia, Texas, California, New York. Um, I think we're in about like 15 or 20 States right now. Where in Georgia? Alpharetta, a little bit too far, but I do know someone in Dalton if you want. That's a good friend of mine. No more further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> okay. Question still stands, John. Where can people find you? How, they, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, just simply go to veterinarymarketing.com, fill out a form. I'm on the website. That's it. It'll come straight to me. Uh, I'd like to meet anybody who's uh, interested in joining our company or has questions. Nice. Well, I appreciate your time, man. Two fans, you know where to find us. David, if you have any more personal questions, please hold. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you next time.